Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown, episode number 236, E20, excuse me, 2023 Grey Cup post-game show following the 2023 or the 110th Grey Cup. I'm your host, Michael Dell, joined by Trey Colbert. And Adam, are you ready to hop in there? Okay, yeah, just come in. Okay, sorry there, Adam. Uh, welcome back, uh, Michael, Trey, and Adam. Uh, Ryan is away tonight. <coughs> uh, so is unable to uh, join us. He should be back on Wednesday. So we're here to recap the Great Cup and talk about whatever else uh, we want over the next 45 minutes. I'll do quick panel introductions uh, once I get my screen kind of situated. Uh, it's a little bit funny. Um, there we go. Um, hey, I'm going to shift the view a little bit. Nonetheless, while I do that, let's do panel introductions. Right now, underneath me, uh, wearing the Montreal Alouettes hat, we say good evening to Adam Stewart. Good evening, Adam. Good evening, Mike. Uh, well, it was another great cup, and boy, that had some excitement, and I think if anybody was watching that one, uh, definitely, uh, definitely one great cup that everybody will remember for a very long time. I would think. What do you think, Drake? Oh, it was actually a pretty good game. Yeah, can't complain. Excitement wise and all that, and uh, yeah, it's going to be an exciting off season here. I think to see how some teams retool things going forward, uh, especially the ones uh, the jerseys, the ones that wear the jerseys me and Mike are wearing. Yeah, you know what? It happens. Uh, we are, full disclosure, Winnipeg Blue Bomber fans. Welcome to our new people that have found us on YouTube and all of our social media channels. You can leave your comments in the comments. We'll try to, <coughs> sorry, we'll try to get to them tonight as much as we can, although we want to keep this show uh, just about the Great Cup. We have other content that we'll talk about throughout the week. Uh, we have a we're live on a different variety of different platforms, hitting your comments and questions in the chat throughout the night, all made pos possible by our presenting sponsor, GameTime TV. Learn more by visiting GameTimeTV.ca or follow them on Facebook, Facebook.com, backslash GameTimeTVMB. As always, we want to acknowledge that the Today Football Countdown is brought to you from Treaty 1 territory, traditional territory of the Oceanavi Cree, OG Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. If you're looking for additional content on top of our weekly episodes or specials such as this, or alerting the chat with us and other CFL fans in between, join the Canadian Football Countdown community on Discord. We have lots of exciting upcoming content coming up, which we'll talk about coming up as well. Obviously, boys, the top story tonight, the Montreal Alouettes defeat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers 28-24 to win the 110th grade cup. Let's quickly recap it. It was a fast start uh, for the Blue Bombers. But before we get into the, you know, sort of game summary and wrapping everything up uh, that way, it's just an opening thought. We'll start with Trey on this game as a whole before we get into it. The thought on the game, amazing. It was an amazing game. You know, back and forth, 
you, you know, there was a little controversy, penalty, maybe some flags that shouldn't have been thrown, some flags that could have been thrown. Halftime was great. Weather looked beautiful. Packed crowd. Mm-hmm. Kate Burness was it was Kate Burness on a stage in someone's front yard before the game? Was that really what happened? You know, it was just great from 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 start to finish. Uh, you know, a really good note for the CFL to end on. Adam. Yeah, I mean, this game here had a little bit of everything in it. I mean, you had uh, uh, what do you call? It? You had your touchdowns. You had your uh, field goals at the beginning, and then all of a sudden they turned those off. And they went and they uh, were going to get some rushes, but no, that punt ended up in the one yard line. And uh, Winnipeg had to have a great turnover for that. You had goal line stands, you had all sorts of great stuff in this game T- uh, turnovers, you had one handed catches, you had one handed t- uh, takeaways. I mean, this game here was just one really exciting Grey Cup right from start to finish. And yeah, I mean, like I say, that's almost as close to a heartbreaker of losing a game. At 11 seconds, I mean, games have been won and lost at zero seconds. So, like I said, at 11 seconds, yeah, that's got to be second in the line now. So, uh, but no, great game. Doesn't this Grey Cup or this game in particular encapsulate that the Grey Cup can kind of be its own game within the season? Yeah, well, this as far as character traits of a game, I I know championship games are different, but I don't know about you. <laughs> Sorry about you, but I spent this last week kind of under R and R when not doing hockey games, and yes, I happened to be playing a lot of those old gray tops. <clears throat> Whether that's in the snow, the overtime games, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I beat every year since 2011. They played <clears throat> three a day, and you know, this is just like the last sort of couple where it's like that right down to the end, um, that whole kind of great cup feeling. Um, although I would think that this was probably one of the nicer ones weather-wise. Um, nobody really had anything to complain about for a mid-November game uh, where if you saw in those classics, we had a little bit of everything. And guys, this is the last one outside before it comes comes to Winnipeg in 25 so <clears throat> that's just in the climate controlled um BC place but that being said why don't we talk about this game and it was the way the Bombers kind of started this one off with that opening drive um the Montreal Alouettes elected to defer so the Bombers took the ball and that led to a Sergio Castilla <clears throat> excuse me, 25-yard field goal. The Alouettes would go three and out uh, shortly thereafter, where the Winnipeg Blue Bombers would, in typical Winnipeg Blue Bomber fashion, use a five-yard run from Brady Oliveira at 3.04 the first quarter to make it 10 nothing. And it looked like it was off to the races for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers based on track record, based on the way the game was going. Not so fast, a very quick drive. Couple plays by Austin Matt, couple play, big play by William Stambad. All of a sudden, 10 7 after the opening quarter for the Blue Bombers. What did we think about Montreal's response to the Winnipeg start? The counter punch, if you will, Trey. They never gave up. You know, in this, like, you know what I mean? They, they, we've seen games this year and other playoff games where, like, you know, 
maybe even last week, I felt like BC just could never get back to Winnipeg. You know, like they, they kind of chipped away the lead, but they never could overcome it. And Montreal just always had an answer back, right, Adam? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, what you always saw out of Montreal was it was an amazing, like, fast uh, comeback, usually. Like, it was a fast throw. It was a deep throw. And Montreal really wasn't known for that all season, right? Where they were going and uh, actually trying to aim downfield a little bit. The other piece also that was really interesting was they tried to get William Stanback involved a little bit more in this game right off the bat. Uh, you seen Winnipeg, I mean, they started hot with Brady Oliveira and it was working and a little bit of Nick Dembski jet sweeps and a few other little things that they like to do in Winnipeg. But the amazing part was getting Brady Oliveira in quickly and then Cody Fajardo, yeah, just aiming the football downfield in the first quarter. Really quickly, I neglected to mention, is anybody really, really surprised that Dalton Schoen and Adam Batehill played tonight? Shown, I'm surprised about Big Hill. I thought would dress just based off of their leadership role. Like, I'm not, not, I'm sure Shown's a leader in the offense to some degree, but Big Hill's, you know, he was out there taking the coin toss. He's our captain on defense, right? And Shown's, yeah. Know. And the reason I asked that is Dalton Shown made two early setting down catches to extend drives. Uh, then the turnovers uh, bit the blue bombers in the, in the bat side, if you will. It was a well played second quarter. Brady Oliveira fumbling inside the 30-yard line of Montreal, and I thought, <clears throat> oh, boy, here we go again, right? Putting the ball on the carpet. Um, great tackle by the Alouette defense. It just seemed like whatever momentum the Bombers had was washed away by that sort of turnover by Oliveira. Uh, the teams would trade actual turnovers as the Bombers would force one later on. All of a sudden, <clears throat> it was kind of a title war until Dakota Prokop had his first of two rushing touchdowns to put the Bombers up just before the three-minute warning. <coughs> Excuse me. This first one, a four-yard uh, touchdown. No, sorry, the one-yard touchdown. The four-yard one was the second one. Then Montreal gets the ball, drives down the field to the – Winnipeg one yard line has two shots at getting in. And at this point, the score was 17 to seven. And the Bombers stopped Montreal not once, but twice <clears throat> on second and third down. What did you guys think of the decision for Jason Moss to go for it, given what we knew at the time, Adam? I liked it. I mean, my thing is this. you got to get points when you got to get points. When you're on the one-yard line, yeah, you can kick a field goal, I guess. But, I mean, you knew the time was clicking. You knew Winnipeg probably wasn't going to get much else on it. Uh, uh, if they did happen to get the ball back, there wasn't very much time left. The clock, I think, about eight seconds or something like that. Uh, no, I like the play. Um, the only thing I would have done was two, one of two things. I know Suter brought it up, uh, saying that he probably would have rather had William stand back in the backfield. Uh, to either help push a hole or do something to help Caleb Evans get in. My thing was, just like Cody Fajardo do it, he did it in Saskatchewan all the time. He, swapping the quarterbacks once in a while, it just makes it confusing. Let Fajardo go in. Let Fajardo dive in. He's strong at doing uh, short yardage plays. He always was good at it. Uh, and the other thing is, we've seen it out of the Philadelphia Eagles all year. Just get William Stan back to push the guy over the pile if he has to. Uh, 
yeah, that, I honestly would have went for a trade. What about you? Oh, a thousand percent. You, you, you don't not go for that play in the CFL, great cup or preseason, right? That third and goal at the goal line. We, you do that every, every, it's almost, it's automatic. I don't know why it was a question, honestly, you know, yeah. <laughs> How many third and goals did the Riders not get in 2019? Right, I'm not. You know what I mean. Like you go for those plays in these big games. It's um, I think kicking is kind of the weak sauce way out at that point. You know, yeah, you want the points before half, but in hindsight now, right, he doesn't really make a difference. Uh, one more thing I just wanted to bring up real quick on yeah, this go as ahead. well. Uh, on that goal line stand, Winnipeg would line up on side. I don't care. You're not supposed to have your hand on that line. Get yeah. your hands off that line. He, they, Winnipeg has done it all season long. They did it in Saskatchewan. They've done it in BC, and I've seen it over and over again. They never get called on it because they're the veterans. The, the Bombers are gifted so many calls and not calls. It is ridiculous. Well, <coughs> if you're going to bring that up, why don't we bring up the unnecessary roughness oh. penalty on the third down in the first quarter, which I'm a Bomber fan. You can see the jersey here. But that's not a penalty, I don't think. No, it's it's the two-time reigning MOP call, right? You know what I mean? It's it's so it's the same thing as those cheap calls Brady always got. You know, you protect certain guys. There's times Fajardo got hit, and I'm like, that's almost worse than what happened to than to Caleros. Why is that not a flag, right? Yeah, and I think it was Ahmed Johnson that got it, and uh, I think his name is John. I know it's Johnson and the last of it. Johnson gets this, uh, yeah, just an outrageous call against him. I was so glad to see him get in, get in there and sack Cody Fajardo, uh, or not Cody, uh, Zach Calaros here uh, about three or four plays later when they were back on the field, just because, yeah, that that was a terrible call by uh, head referee on their uh, – uh, Tim Croker, yeah. So now that that's established, we can talk about his 17-7 game at halftime. Kind of touched on this already. What did we think about the halftime show? I thought it was good. To be honest, I wasn't sure what we were going to expect. Um, but it was actually better than I anticipated. Trey? Oh, yeah. I just am mad they didn't play American <laughs> Idiot. Why aren't you not playing that song, man? They played everything else, but it was great. Adam? Honestly, yeah. No, I, I was driving home at that point. Uh, I was over with my parents watching the first half, and then I came back for the second half. Well, 17 miles, it's where you can fit in your halftime. So I drove home uh, real quick, so I didn't get much of the halftime show. But from what I read over on Twitter and all over the place, uh, one of the better ones they've had for a very long time. So, And I agree. Uh, Green Day is the right kind of mix for the right kind of crowd. Uh, Hamilton's kind of a little bit of a more partying uh, rock kind of music kind of crowd. And it fit in the crowd real well. Last year, it was a country act because, you know, Saskatchewan. Next year in BC, I expect it to be something really cool as well. Uh, can't wait to see what they got. Yeah, I, I think, too, you know, we undersell these. I undersell these halftime shows. And then they wind up being better than I thought. So maybe don't take my word for it right when it's announced. Because I'll change my mind on the day of. Um, that being said, the... What do we think about the extended halftime? Um, it is the great top, the halftime is extended. Who in your mind does that usually benefit? The team that's trailing or the team that's winning? Or nobody? I don't think it advantages anybody really myself, just because 
Winnipeg again. They know what they're doing. They've they, again, both teams have trained all week. They know what they're doing. They know that this extended halftime's coming in. Uh, they all just try to stay loose and try to get ready for the third quarter. Uh, they don't care what's going on if it's Green Day or if it was uh, Beyonce out there. None of them would really care. Uh, they're just focused on what's going on in this game here. Hey, if it's Beyonce, maybe a couple might be focused on that, but that's not the point. Uh, it's it's another game for them, and they know what they need to do. Uh, Winnipeg, I mean, they maybe advantage them because they're used to storm delays all the time. But, yeah, other than that, I think it's pretty much a neutral trade. See, I, I, I kind of disagree. I don't necessarily think it uh, hurts a team who's winning or losing. I think it might hurt a team that has momentum. Uh, to some degree, because Winnipeg had momentum. They big that third down stop on the goal line. They're up 10. How many times have we seen the Bombers just come back in the third quarter and run for another couple hundred yards and just slow down the clock and everything? But Mon I gave Montreal time to say, hey, guys, we screwed up there, but we still got 30 minutes. If they could put up 17 points in 30 minutes, we can do it. And Winnipeg's probably just sitting there patting themselves on the back to some degree. Montreal... The thing like I was impressed with Montreal, even when they were down, even if they just gave up a big play, their defense came up with a big tackle, and those guys were fired up as if they were winning. You know, they thought they were winning the entire time, and I think that that momentum helped Montreal at halftime. I do agree with what um, I do agree with Adam some degree. Like they are professionals, it shouldn't. I don't think they're necessarily worried about Green Day or Beyonce. The only person who cares would be uh, Travis Kelsey if uh, Taylor Swift was out there, right? But other than that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think that bugs them at all. But the extra time, hey, you know, Montreal had extra couple minutes to get over their crap and say, hey, we're in the Great Cup, man. We got, you know, we're we're gonna beat the the dynasty here. Kelsey, we yeah, with her. <laughs> that's what made this matchup historic. It was the chance for the Bombers to make it um, a dynasty, and then, well, I mentioned this this morning on CTV News Channel. The Alouettes were owned by the CFL for a period last February, close to free agency, where everything was kind of up in the air, which makes this even more remarkable. Only in the CFL. Now, granted, now they have an ownership change prior to this season, and all was well and good. But anyway, where I wanted to go with this is 17-7. There was only the one touchdown in the third quarter, and it came on the opening drive. Montreal answered the answer. Uh, I think that was that one-handed grab by Austin Matz at the uh, <coughs> the post speaker 23-yard touchdown catch from Cody Pajardo. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, Cody Pajardo taking a lot of heat for throwing air balls and throwing for yards in general lately. But that drive got Montreal right back in the football game. How big! Or those gun receivers, Austin Matt, Paul Speaker, Tyson Felpott, etc., etc. He did it to 17-14. Uh, yeah, no, it was massive. I mean, those those uh, running backs are receivers, I guess, for the Montreal Alouettes. We really didn't expect anything out of them at the beginning of the year, right? We were all doom and gloom because they lost. Uh, they lost, uh, what do you call, uh, Jake Weineke. They lost uh, uh, Eugene Lewis, and they lost a whole pile of pieces. And then all of a sudden, uh, get introduced to Cole Speaker and to Austin Mack and to uh, to Sneed, uh, Tyler Tyler Sneed, and uh, even J even Filippo there. I mean, yeah, we knew he was okay last year. He's a pretty good receiver. 
did anybody really expect him to do much? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, we kind of expected just another good average year. But overall, these guys here, and Austin Mack in particular, had one great season all year, and then just sticks out his hand. And I mean, A, there's two pieces to that. One, the guy has is pulling his arm. It should have been pass interference no matter what. No call, because, you know, the Winnipeg advantage. Um, <laughs> but the second part is, you got to give Cody Fajardo credit for just putting it in his hand only. There was only one guy that could have caught that, really, to be honest. And it was Austin mm. Mack making an incredible circus play to make the catch. But it was cradled in there perfectly by Cody Fajardo. There was a couple of those. And to be honest, it reminded me of the year Fajardo took over after Zach got hurt and had that big season. Did it not, Adam? Yeah, there's definitely sprinkles of uh, something going on in that uh, field this tonight, for sure, with uh, Cody Fajardo. He definitely looked like a... Uh, Cody of, uh, well, 2018, 19, roughly around there. Uh, so overall, he looked really good. But uh, again, kudos Austin Mack for making that catch. Kudos Cody Fajardo for, uh, and then again, just the speed that that football went down the field. Again, you're not used to seeing that out of Winnipeg. Fajardo was able to go and keep fresh, keep up, keep standing upright. Uh, the offensive line did a great job all night of holding back Willie Jefferson and uh, Jackson Ke- Jeffcoat. Uh, so give the offense of the line of the Montreal Alouettes credit. But, um, yeah, I mean, Fajardo and company, they just moved that ball right downfield and scored almost immediately after the third quarter started. And, yeah, that was that was pretty much the highlights for the third quarter. You know, it was the response within the response. Multiple times Winnipeg got a touchdown, but it felt like they couldn't follow it up with that quick three and out. Look at the first quarter. 10 nothing. you think they punched him in the face. The counter punch comes back. Halftime up by 10. Binky got him. Come out of that. Halftime, boom, put a quick score up. Football game is on. And and that's really where I felt Winnipeg was in trouble. They could not stop um, Montreal when it mattered most. Now, we'll get to the end here in a second. Uh, fourth quarter, 17-14 for Winnipeg. Back and forth, the punting, the kicking, the quarterback sacks, the running. How do you equate what we saw in particular that go-ahead drive by Montreal and put them up for the first time? I thought this was nickel and dime, 10, 15 yards, typical bend but not break, but this time break Winnipeg defense. The Austin Matt 13-yarder, this was the the pitch and catch, nothing circus here, but you put Montreal up, and that's when Winnipeg kind of said, uh-oh, because for the first time, all game may trailed. Trey? What was the question? Um, <laughs> just Montreal's ability to take a 17-14 deficit yeah. to a 21-17 lead when the pressure just amounted and kind of built up. Yeah, it, it was crazy because this was a team on our Wednesday show that Ryan, who's in the comments, said has no offense. But then guess what? They they literally <laughs> took, what, three, four plays to put up touchdowns anytime they wanted, right? Like, it was crazy. It, they never, like I said, they're on offense and defense. They never backed down. And 
their offense just had they found Fajardo had the whole he well he should know this Winnipeg defense by now in defensive scheme he should know where the giant holes are for being our the Bombers rival for the longest time right and playing two three four times a year and he just they took it and same with Jason Moss right he should know this uh, the uh, the Bombers defense and and we're kind of touching on the receivers of Montreal they're young and talented I think they're what we thought the Bombers offensive receivers were four or five years ago. Young, talented guys like Lawler, Dembski, uh, Molotarski, all these guys who were quick speed, have hands, got an open space. Now the Bombers are unfortunately four or five years older, and we see the injuries. We see they're not quite as quick as... I was just watching the the third Cars movie today with Lightning McQueen, and he's not as fast anymore you know, as he was in that first movie, right? And you just got to realize you're not... I have kids, Adam. Remember that. I wasn't just watching it on my own. Sure, and, and now and now this Montreal receiving team, they're the young guns coming in, beating Lightning McQueen on the track. <clears throat> Excuse me. Is this you suggesting that Montreal's about to start a dynasty? I don't I hate that term dynasty. It's or, sports. Uh, right up, a couple I think they're gonna ups. be better. I think they're gonna be better. I had some high hopes for them at the end of last year, and then the whole ownership free agent thing agency thing kind of hit me, hit me, hit me for a loop. Uh, when we were talking preseason, right? But hey, I, I think that they're positioned themselves. I, I think they're almost better off now than Toronto was this time last year. Now, does that mean they're going to be better yeah. than sixteen no, and two? I, I, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to be better than sixteen and two. But right now, I think if you take a snapshot, I think this team is better than what Toronto was last year. This at this time. Oh, yeah, again, the jury is out on Fajardo. This is one game where. Yeah. He- Hey, wait, hey, do you all know what I think about when one quarterback has one game? So, I mean, yet, yet encouraging, follow yeah. it up. And there's no reason why this team can't. Don't forget as well, Phil Pot missed most of the season uh, with injuries. So his legs were somewhat fresher, multiple games uh, compared to uh, Ryan just said it. There's there's three cars movies now. Right, you're, you're, you're now you got you got three movie great movies to watch with their daughter, man. When she gets older, man, it, they're great. Um, but yeah, so Ryan just also said this is the best offensive performance of the year, and their mind moved the ball so well. Finally, stretched the field. I think that's something that the Bombers gave them uh, with, with options uh, as well. Um, yeah, and it's it's just one of those things where I think the Bombers age. Caught up to them, and they were able to get away with it, get away with it, get away with it. And tonight we saw that that team that had injuries. They looked, they looked what you would expect of a team that's trying to force three great taps and has gotten older, quite frankly. Uh, we'll discuss that in a little bit. The champs or the team going for the dynasty had a response, which I thought was a defining drive. Aided by multiple setting down conversions, multiple big catches. Uh, Nick Dempsey kind of got that drive started with a couple. And then Brady Oliveira being Brady Oliveira got that inside the goal line. Uh, and then Dakota Prokop made a couple of conversions. At this point, it was 20. Sorry, the Bombers went up 24 to... Sorry, 24-21 with that go-ahead touchdown, uh, which happened inside five and a half to go. What did we think about that response from Winnipeg? It was the, the I equated it to the, the older brother 
having a response to the little brother who might have just issued a a bit of a warning. Well, but I wanted to bring up one thing just before we even sure, get yeah, to that uh, touchdown. Uh, Winnipeg had a great drive there when it was 17-14. Had your ball going down the field. Had Brady Oliveira going right perfect, how he always does. And I could see this coming from a mile away. Oh, the interception. Yeah, that interception yeah. there was killer for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Zach Caleros goes, looks in the corner, sees like Kenny Lawler there, and there is uh, Kayvon Ento. Uh, just waiting for that pay- ball to be thrown to him, and sure enough, picked right off. Uh, some of the defensive ends in this game were just absolutely insane. Ento was great. Uh, the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers even had a few great ones there. Hallett had a big play there to knock a football out or receive, I think, on a uh, special teams play. Uh, yeah. The other guy also, again, Mr. Un- un- uh, what do you call underrated completely in Winnipeg, uh, Evan Holm, seven tackles, had a huge yeah. game as well. And again, just just really balled out. But again, it just in the end, didn't quite work out. Now we're getting back to that uh, touchdown and response by Winnipeg. Uh, Winnipeg did exactly what they needed to do. They finally put the ball back in Brady Oliveira's arms. Uh, they got Nick Dembski involved a little bit more. Dalton showing again. Like you can tell he was probably hurt a little bit or something wasn't quite right. But yeah. uh, he did still make a play or two when he had to. I know Drew Olatarski had a big catch. I believe on that play to keep the drive alive on one of them. Uh, so what if I did what they had to do to get a touchdown uh, to get a response back? And with five minutes left, if they would have got the football back, uh, you never know. But I'll tell you right now, that Montreal defense was imposing. I mean, there was a massive hit there on. I come back that I hit on Damski. Well, you think he's got the hole? He's trying to turn the corner, and he just met with force. Yeah. Like I said, that one there, I mean, he was nailed completely in the backfield there. Uh, just maybe a yard or two. But, again, hard, hard hits by the uh, Montreal Alouettes to make some of them uh, big plays when they had to. Uh, I think it was number 35, Reggie Stubblefield, I think, is the one that you're talking about. That uh, Nick Dembski got absolutely apparently on. reportedly wanted to come to Winnipeg. So, that's well, I don't know. Willie Jefferson, you're going to be yelling that anymore? Come on down to Winnipeg. Oh, going to be come on down to Montreal now. Anyways, uh, yeah, no, like Winnipeg did exactly what they had to do. They made a quick response, uh, and it was an impressive drive. I mean, Montreal really didn't have a great answer for Brady Oliver all game. I mean, I'm not sure what Oliveira's stats really were, but I'm sure it was pretty high for, for how many uh, running yards he had. Yeah, 120 yards on 19 carries and a touchdown. I mean, you can't bring Brady Oliveira for this one. Montreal contained him a little, but not much. It's still 120 yards for the uh, MOC of the year. Trey? Stop me if you've heard this before. Bombers up by points in the Grey Cup. Holding penalty or some kind of penalty pushing the other team back. Quarterback runs for close to first down. Yeah. Third down, the said team converts, gets a first down, goes all the way down the field and scores. Movies sound familiar? Well, it should. Because I don't know about you guys, I had nightmares of a young Chad Kelly running down the bomber's throats on second and lawn last year. And Fajardo finds a way to make it third and manageable. Um, 
what I guess went wrong for Winnipeg on that drive. I, to me, to be honest, I, this was a a compile a, a, a compilation. Compilation? What? What's? I hate word? that word too. I can't say it. <laughs> Composition. Elimination. <laughs> That's the right word. Um, thank you for the English language. Um, a culmination of a lot of problems um, that were coming that didn't necessarily rear their ugly head until late. And the Bombers bend but not break defense, well, broke at the most inopportune time. Um, what went wrong, Trey? What, 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 what were you kind of... I, to be honest, I was thinking when Montreal was coming down the field, oh, no, here we go again. There's just way too much time. But the momentum is momentum's a funny thing in sports. And it just felt like to me, oh, no, if they don't keep them out on this third down, they're not going to keep them out at all. What went wrong? So let's get to the whiteboard here. Here's okay. Hang on, Trey. I'm going to just zoom in so you're the only one here. Yeah. yeah. Here's this. Here's Fajardo. Whatever. I don't even need to do everybody. Hang on. Well, hang on. Sorry. Here we go. So this is your this well, just a second. Sorry, Trey. Um, I have no. You're not even gonna see mind. this. It's all good. All good. All you gotta see is this is the defense. Oh, this got big, it. Got big it. spot here. This big spot here is always goddamn open, and Richie Hall <laughs> needs to stop that. And I don't know why it's always open. Doesn't matter the play. There's just always a big gap, bigger than the gap of Saskatchewan, open in our defense. And I don't, yeah, exactly. And I don't get why. I get our field is huge as shit, but we have 12 guys out there. Cover the deck. We have some of the, we do, the Bombers do have a great defense. Don't get me wrong. They get pressure in Fajardo. But the thing was, either guys were wide open or this young, talented receiving core was making one-handed catches while being um, pass interfered with that weren't called. That's pretty much what happened, right? It was one. It was either wide-open guys or one-on-one coverage, to my, to my sake. And Fajardo, he... Oh, I want to cuss. So, fucking did it! Yeah, did no, did it. It, it, it's interesting because I think the Bombers in one-on-one has been a nightmare waiting to happen all season long. Yeah. There's been multiple times this year where the um, defense has bailed them out because Justin, Justin Jeffcoat uh, and company, Willie Jefferson, he's those big wins, wins fans. To push were they quiet back. today? Do you guys feel like they were quiet today? They were because yeah. they were being steamed against, and it's hard to do that when <clears> – <throat> Excuse me, as an example, you bring in a tight end to just slow them down that extra half a second. Um, That's what it means. You have an extra guy guy in blocking. You have an extra guy in blocking, which means there should still be an extra defender out there. So why is there still a giant hole? Because you don't have have Adam Big Hill at 100%. But he got beat too. He was the touchdown. Adam Big Hill got beat. But what you guys are looking at there is you guys are going to man coverage all the time one-on-one. Winnipeg never was really the greatest in their secondary. They're getting burned by young receiving cores uh, like Tyler Sneed or like those guys. They don't play well against them. And what happened was Willie Jefferson and Jefferson and Jeffcoat were held up at the line. And if they don't get pressure on Fajardo, Fajardo will find an open guy. And that's all it takes. You've seen what happened here two times there 
as the second time was right over the middle where usually Adam Big Hill is standing. So that's is pretty much this, is. But is this the ultimate problem? The Bombers' inability to play man defense when the pressure doesn't get home. Because to me, you should be able to play both. And maybe we've just encapsulated the big problem <laughs> with that general statement. Well, but my thing is, if you don't have pressure and you're on man coverage and your guys can't keep on man coverage, ask Saskatchewan. We couldn't keep on man coverage very often because we left seven, ten yards open and Bolivar Mitchell against that game in Hamilton was just burning us. So in this year, it was the same thing. There was no pressure being put uh, much on Cody Fajardo. Uh, William Stanback did a great job of picking up any pressure that was coming through. And when Jefferson and Jack's coat can't get home on those, that means that somebody's going to be open. And guess what? Yeah. Can I say, I think man coverage in the CFL is not the greatest game plan. You got the bigger field and the waggle. It is so hard do you expect a DB to keep up with a guy who's already running full blast and has 30 yards on each side? This is in the NFL where you just got to keep your guy on the outside and push him out of bounds when the ball's thrown, right? There, there's so much space. So I, that's why it gets me so infuriated when there's giant holes. Just please We don't. have a bigger problem, and perhaps I've heard this discussion out there, not necessarily tonight, but in general, that it's very difficult to play defense in the CFL because the rules are catered toward the offense. Yeah, well, they are. But I, I think I think I actually do because I think with his whole discussion about I don't say discussion, but the looming four downs, if it ever came, I think that'd be even crazier because now you're giving these offense that already has rules that benefit them an extra down, right? So tonight's game could have easily been 40, 30 something, right? If there was four downs, right? So I, I think I think I think the waggle in the bigger field is the equalizer for that fourth down. Yeah, I agree. Um, Mike, we're agreeing again today, buddy. Air hug. Green it, boys. Well, this is better than any therapy session. Let's be honest. Um, Don't worry. Uh, at least, when, at least when it comes to to football related, you know, it's the second straight year. But I've been stuck to it. Uh, not stuck today. It was my idea. But I've been doing this show two years in a row. Since the Bombers lost both great tops. Well, <laughs> let's let Ryan will have to host next year. So we'll see about that. Uh, all, all jokes aside. Hey, 2009, 2010 was my suffering. You guys got to endure a little. I know. I know. Too many men in the field. But just sorry to bring it up. Um, that is another one of those uh, great top classics that was played. The other one that I really enjoyed, just on an off note here. Um was 2013 in Regina. Um, most electric. Score didn't really, score wasn't really close, but just from an, <clears throat> excuse me, atmosphere perspective, um, I really enjoyed watching that one back. But that one, that one there, in all honesty, was over at three o'clock in the afternoon when you could hear the Henry chants two hours before game time. It was yeah. over well before it was over. Guys, before we go, I want to pose you guys a question real quick because I know we even want to have a long episode. So are we going to talk about what? Cody Fajardo? Are we going to talk about Cody Fajardo? Well, we have to. Like, we got to talk about him, right? 
because I don't know if you guys saw, I put a, I was bored last night at work, so I put that video question in. Where do we put him now all-time CFL quarterbacks? Because he's been one of those guys that's been good, but just never could get you know over that hump. But now we got over that hump. Now we're, we're, Let's talk about Cody. As the guy that was formerly uh, part of our team here, I'll say that you put him still in the top two in the league right now. Is that fair? I think it is. Just, 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 wait, just wait till we get to that part of our offseason show, man. Just wait. But but here's the thing. And remember, remember, this is the guy that put Chad Kelly in first before anybody else even said. So we have we shouldn't be doubting what the guy in the middle has to say. Um <laughs> I think it's too early. With where to write Cody, just because I finally felt like he came along with a defense that has been doing a lot of the heavy lifting leading up to this game. However, they won the great top, so you deserve it, and that's that. And I'll be clear, the right team won this game. Um, very uh, one more thing, ahead, Cody, Adam. yeah, one yep. more thing on Cody Fajardo. I mean. Yep. In, let's face it, in Saskatchewan, he was in a very terrible position. We had a terrible offensive line. We had no support for him anywhere. Uh, I looked at the guy and I said, if you had support and you had a great uh, great receiving core and he had an offensive line with him, he'd be deadly. And he is. I mean, Montreal, whenever they could get uh, some protection for him and when Snead or when uh, uh, Mac got open, he showed that he can be an elite quarterback in the league, and he can be. Uh, he still has a little bit of an ability to run. We've seen that on second and a country mile today uh, just to get the ball at least within five yards to throw a nice little 20-yard pass over to, uh, to Tyler Snead, I believe it was. So he is a great quarterback in this league. Uh, is he top 10 worthy? Absolutely. Career-wise, there's so many quarterbacks, man. I mean. You look at it, you've got Doug Flutie's, you've got the Ronnie Lancaster's, you've got all guys in all different eras. It's so hard to compare. But in modern era, I would say in the last 2015 and on, yeah, he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Really quickly, I have one more thing for both of you on the way out. We kind of touched on where Montreal goes from here. Um, I know this is an hour, 20 minutes removed from... Winnipeg losing the Grey Cup without a general manager under contract, although I expect that to be taken care of in short order, but you never know with the coaching cap and potential coaching carousel. There'll be a lot of time for this discussion, but just a general thought from both of you. Where does Winnipeg go from here? Uh, I know Trey was in the, let's, I don't, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think he kind of said, Let's get ready because the downtime is coming. Something to that effect uh, last year or even in the offseason. Um, where does Winnipeg go from here? And I have a bigger question that might take another half an hour, so I'll part that one to the side for now until I hear uh, from both of you. Trey, where does Winnipeg in your mind? Again, you are a Bomber fan. I am a Bomber fan. So take these with a grain of salt. But where, where 
excuse me, does Winnipeg go from here? <clears throat> Keeping in mind the bigger picture of a 2025 Grey Cup in Winnipeg. Yeah, if I was in charge, if I was Wade Miller, I, I would kind of just say, like, I would do whatever I need to do to be ready for that one and kind of say screw next year. Like, I, I, I hate when, I don't want to say screw, but I hate when teams just do little minor changes thinking that we're going to be better next year, but then it screws over your next year after that. So I don't care much about 2024. I want to be sitting in my seat up in my section in, in November, my ass frozen to my seat, drunk as piss, watching the Bombers in that game, right? I don't want it Saskatchewan. I don't want a Calgary, BC, or Edmonton. I, don't, I want Winnipeg. Do I care what they do next year when they're going to Grey Cup in BC? Not as much. Like, I want them to be, like, respectable. I want them to win some home games. I want them to play for the playoffs. But I don't want them doing some stupid contract where they lock into a quarterback that we all know I hate more and screws up 2015 or 2025. I mean, I don't want them screwing over and signing guys on their defense who are too old and doing stuff like that. So player wise, I want them to think long term, which CFL doesn't always do that. And coaching wise, I think it's and, and staff wise, I think it's interesting. I I don't I feel bad for Walters, <laughs> but I don't know if he is coming back. I don't know if like I could be wrong, I, and I'm not. I'm terrible at reading the tea leaves. I'm not a journalist that has my ear to the ground like Mike does on this stuff, right? I just see what I see on TSN and other reports, and it just seems like there's been no conversations. It seems like no one really knows. I, I just don't know. Like can, can, to me, if you wanted him back, there would have been something, right? It, 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 it to me is this the emergence of you know is this now going to be Michael Shea's time to be the the both the Belichick and be the general but manager. He has, the he has said, but he doesn't want the general manager job. He wants to. Oh, coach. did he say that? I didn't know. I didn't hear that. Okay, yeah, fair well, enough. No, he has said some variation of that. But is that is that him just being a friend to to Kyle Walters? Because is he publicly going to say, "Yeah, I want his job"? I, you know that could. You never know. Mike's a professional guy, right? You never well, know what he might might say, might or not say. So I don't know, and. I don't think they're going to go someone new. So I think it's either going to be Kyle Walters, one of his assistants, or it's going to be Osh taking care of it all. That's kind of my thing. What do you think should happen? I think that right now what you're looking at is, well, first of all, I can see why they want to get rid of Kyle Walters for one reason, salary cap. Uh, that counts against it for that coach's cash manager's salary cap. So it sucks, but that could be a cap casualty, honestly, for Winnipeg. If I was the Winnipeg Blue Bombers today, First of all, I'd sit back, reflect, and see what he actually seen in the whole season. Uh, a 10,000-foot view, uh, I look at it and say, probably you got to start retooling a little bit. I mean, Willie Jefferson's getting a little bit older now. Uh, he's not maybe getting the pressure that he used to, especially in a full 18-game season. So either you've got to start uh, time-clocking him a little bit more, making sure that he's not getting all the reps, and making sure there's somebody behind him that can afford to keep get some reps. Uh, same thing also with Jackson Jeff coach. The defensive line, I think, needs some work over there. Uh, even in the middle linebacking core, take a look what happened here for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers for injury-wise. Uh, you had guys getting injured. Uh, Adam Big Hill, that was a huge loss for the Bombers today. I don't care what anyone says. Uh, he was there, but he wasn't there, right? Uh, he wasn't 100%. And again, is that time management with those some of those players that you need somebody behind Adam Big Hill to be able to keep up with them. Uh, receiving core, I mean, they're good. They're not. There's no problem there. 
Uh, the quarterback, even then, Zach Calero still looked like he had a good season. I'd say keep him. Why not? I mean, I know you're going to disagree with me, Trey, but honestly, who's better right now that you can actually pick up that nobody else is going to pick up? Chad Kelly isn't a free agent, so don't even try it. Well, anyway. Drew, Drew Brown, Drew Brown, who's on our roster. So yeah, anyway. I know. We got we got five months to talk. We got five, six months of quick Exactly. <laughs> so if I was doing this today, I would say the Winnipeg Blue Bombers would probably do for a retool. Again, the old line probably needs some updates. The D line needs some updates. The linebacking core needs some updates. Uh, they still got pieces and they're still a contending team. Without a doubt, they are. But and again, you look at the Montreal Alouettes that just beat them. Anybody can come out of nowhere and win a Grey Cup. So if I'm the Bombers, though, and I want to really retool and make sure I'm ready to go for 2025 uh, so that you don't see me sitting and uh, watching Saskatchewan win a Grey Cup in Winnipeg. because that I'll give you awesome. my seat, man. I'll give you my seat if that happens. Um, I, I would be celebrating the whole time. But anyways, uh, yeah, retool, maybe not a rebuild. Here's the interesting thing. I think if there's one thing in the CFR, and you guys can agree on this or not, but there was a lot of free agents every year. I don't believe the Bombers need to tear this down to the studs to get a core for 2025 in place. I think they could sign a few free agents, draft a few guys, get ready that way. To me, I I don't think you take the wholesale dynamite and do the full-blown rebuild just because there's so many free agents. Case in point, Montreal, strong second half, got them to a great cup. Nobody expected it given where their ownership was. Uh, in February, and in fact, on free agency day, didn't even know how much money they lost or how much money they had to spend. That was a team that lost Eugene Lewis, among other players, to free agency because of that uncertainty. Really quickly, does anybody have any of you have any closing thoughts before I wrap up? Starting with Trey, I'll go quick. Uh, just for fun fact, the Montreal Alouettes were actually tied. For uh, the sixth worst odd, but whatever biggest odds to win the Grey Cup before the season, they were tied with Saskatchewan and Ottawa, and we see where those two teams were. And the only team worse than them was Edmonton, so they were uh, more favorites: Winnipeg, Toronto, Hamilton, <laughs> Hamilton, uh, BC, and Calgary. Um, and uh, yeah, and if you are in our Discord, you've been seeing me brag that I have a preseason bet on Montreal to win. That I had to try to explain. My grandma was like, "Why did you make that bet?" And I had to try to explain cost and and risk and value to my seventy some year old grandma, who did teach me horse racing betting. To be fair, but yeah, that's my thoughts betting wise as a betting expert. Um, but yeah, hell of a year, hell of a season. I think there was a lot of things CFL fans to be proud of. Yes, so we need to work on our stats, apparently. We need to work on our U.S. deal, apparently. We need to work on some uh, making sure we have French signage at the Grey Cup, apparently. Uh, but other than that, you know, every league's got things to work on. Even if we look at the big four or five in the States, right, they got things they can definitely work on. Hell of a game. Green Day is awesome. That's all I got. Adam? As the guy that was you know where you're going with this one. The humble brag about the 10 and 0 uh, that I've not lost a playoff bet or a uh, playoff guess since being on this show. I know I'm pretty good. Anyways, uh, that's all I'll say on that. But uh, no, you know what? The CFL had a great season this year. Yes, there's always things we can work on. Uh, do we need to get pointed out to him and rubbed in our face? I don't know about that. We'll talk about that guy another day. Anyways, uh, no, great game here tonight. Congratulations to you. Uh, to the Montreal Alouettes and Jason Moss. I mean, he put a heck of a team together uh, out of nowhere, essentially. A team that was really reeling because they just lost their starting quarterback and a 
again, like you said, Eugene Lewis, uh, Trevor Harris, uh, Jake Weineke, uh, the list goes on and on. But if you never say that a general manager can make a big influence at the end of his, uh, in the middle of a season, oh yeah, he can. Uh, Sean Lemon and Darnell Sankey, congratulations to those two. Uh, two guys, again, who did not shine Sean Lemon at the beginning of the year? I mean, come on. If that guy there, I mean, I was stunned like that he still was not signed at the beginning of the year. Such a great char- a character in the room. Was it him and- not signing or him waiting for the best opportunity? I just will never know. I don't know if that was that case or what it was, but boy, boy, did he make an impact when he hit the when he hit the right place and he picked the right place. And they did must have done a great job of Montreal to know that he was the guy that they needed. And same thing also with Darnell Sankey. I mean, we all knew he was an amazing linebacker. And you look at what Saskatchewan had and what Saskatchewan lost without Darnell Sankey. I mean, don't get me wrong, Larry Dean's a very good one, but boy, Darnell Sankey is something else. And congratulations again to the Montreal Alouettes for winning the Great Cup. Uh, congratulations to Winnipeg. It's still tough to get into a uh, Great Cup championship no matter how you do it. Uh, just ask a bunch of teams that haven't been there for a long time or haven't won it for a long time, a.k.a. Hamilton. Uh, overall, great season for the CFL, though. This has been a growing year for the league. Revenues are up. Attendance is up. A lot of good things are happening in the league. Uh, better things to come in the future as well. Uh, overall, just a fun, uh, fun league to be a part of this year. Uh, fun to listen to, watch, uh, stream. Uh, I know everything has been going well for the CFL. Let's hope it continues for 2024. And of course, we'll be there covering well what we can, and probably with some nonsense throughout the off season here. Nonsense well, is an understatement for anyone. <laughs> if you're not a part of our Discord and you don't know what's going on, nonsense this off season, huge understatement. So. On a side note, if that's not an uh, indication to go and join our Discord uh, channel, <laughs> be sure to join our Discord channel because there is a lot of non-football but uh, totally awesome ideas coming out of Trey and Ryan and uh, myself even a little bit and Mike. So, yeah, be sure to join us in the offseason. And, hey, we'll still talk CFL also with all you guys if you want to talk some CFL. Sometimes it just gets a little bit uh, quiet. Just a food for thought before I do my whole outro spiel. <coughs> Mike's way too early. 111th great top pitch. The BC Lions to win at home. There you have it. Just the end of the Trey, who do you got? Who do you got in the Grey Cup next year? Just the end of the, with a little bit of humor. Um, win it. Anyway, we'll be back Wednesday night Boy. with our... 2023 CFL. <laughs> oh, let's go. Let's go. Recap. The question is, will I be here? Yeah, they won't be they, there. They, they'll they'll be there great. if they buy a ticket. Um, follow us on Twitter at CF Countdown Pod or on Facebook. Sorry, Facebook.com backslash CF Countdown Pod. Check out all this. The other great shows from the Canadian Football Podcast Network as well as CF Pod Network on Twitter. Really quickly, guys, where can people find you on social media? Find me at Adam Stewart One uh, over on the Twitter. Uh, I didn't get my 111th Grey Cup uh, uh, prediction on who's going to be there. I'm going to say it's going to be Andre Pruel. Andre Pruel will be at oh. the Grey Cup next year. 
the fact that he wasn't there this year must have just been because Montreal was in it or something. I don't know. Like, you need the French ref when the French team's in, right? But whatever. I mean, I, I was stunned on it. But anyways, yeah, you can find me at Adam Stewart one uh, Whole pile of senior hockey stuff coming up. Uh, tough loss on Saturday is seven to six. We were up was six to five uh, with three minutes left. And yeah, we won't talk about that. <laughs> anyways, uh, yeah, no, it was a great time, though. Uh, great game. Huge crowd in theater. So uh, thanks, everybody that came out for that one. Uh, next one's December 1st against the Cody Selects, if anybody's watching uh, for senior hockey. Uh, also, uh, two other things, because we are the Canadian Football Countdown. Thanks very much for reminding us, Buckshot Kid. UBC Thunderbirds versus the Montreal Carabans. Could be a big game there for Montreal, for the whole uh, city, if Montreal wins that one, the Vanier Cup in Montreal next weekend. Uh, make sure you watch that. And also, congratulations to the is it 25 or 26. I know I'm going to get grief from a certain cousin right away. Uh, 26 time, I'll say. Uh, Canadian Bowl champions, the Saskatoon Hilltops, uh, winning out in BC this last uh, weekend. Uh, congratulations to them as well. Trey, where can guys find you? Absolutely nowhere. No uh, Twitter, at Trey Harness Link. Uh, I'll probably be quiet now. No football, horse racing seasons. Well, over like it always goes on, but it's quiet now. I'll probably just be bitching about the UFC and my Fortnite account. That's about it. <laughs> so I swore too much today. Good thing Ryan's not here and he's not watching anymore. He's not gonna rewatch this. I probably I well, it, it is going up on the podcast feeds tomorrow. So that's fine. Oh yeah, let's put that on our on our uh, best of the year moments when Trey dropped the f bomb. Uh, okay, Matt did. <laughs> Matt did. Um, anyway, a reminder that there's already been said to check out the CFC Discord. The link is in the episode description below. Whatever podcast you're listening, whatever podcast platform you're listening on or watching on, appreciate if you'd like, share, comment, rate, subscribe, review, share the show with friends as well. Help us grow the show. We always appreciate it. On behalf of my Colleagues and friends today, Trey Colbert in the center, Adam Stewart, Michael Dell saying thank you so much for watching. This has been the Great Cup post-game show uh, following a Montreal Alouette 28-24 victory in the 110th Great Cup. Back Wednesday night to wrap up the season as a whole. Stay tuned. Thank you so much for watching, and we will see you on Wednesday night. Good night.